Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Well, 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 I am so excited. This is a special and rare opportunity to sit down with one of my personal heroes, John Asperian. So, and it could not be better timing because today we had some very big news happen. So I'm going to let John share the news. We've completely changed what this conversation was going to be about because of the news. So what is the news, John? Thank you so much for having me, Billy. So yeah, we had something different planned, but LinkedIn had kind of dropped a bit of a bomb, which is that everyone who is in creator mode on LinkedIn, so that's where you get people to follow you first and you feature your hashtags and stuff like that. It's designed for creators. All of those people now have the capability of creating a LinkedIn newsletter which is like a long-form article, but it's on steroids because when you create one of those, it sends a notification to every single person who follows you to say, this person has created a newsletter. Do you want to go and subscribe to it? So right now, there's a massive, massive opportunity to get visibility. It's something that LinkedIn hasn't done for years And this opportunity will not last long because I think people are going to get very, very tired of being told, hey, go and subscribe, go and subscribe, go and subscribe. So if you're thinking about creating content, long form content on a regular basis, you need to get on this really quickly. So why does timing matter so much? Is it mostly because of what you've just said that people are going to get a bit annoyed? I think it's fatigue. You know, uh, lots of people have DM'd me today saying, why am I getting all of these invitations to subscribe to people's newsletters? And I don't know what to do. I'm going to ignore them. And if you ignore too many of them, then LinkedIn will prompt you to say, hey, it doesn't look like you like these things. Do you want to turn off invitation notifications? And if you do, that stops anyone in the future from being able to invite you. (laughs) So That's why if you are a content creator, if you do think you're going to be able to produce something on a daily, weekly, or monthly schedule, it asks you that when you sign up, now's the time to go and get a newsletter out because this opportunity, I think, is going to last maybe only days before people get annoyed with all of the invitations they're getting. A newsletter about, mm, I'm going to say five hours ago, I've got almost 4,000 subscribers already. That's incredible. So that chance is not going to come around again very often. Now, did you have your newsletter before? Is this brand new for you as well? I mean, I knew that it was coming, but I didn't think it was going to be kind of like announcement. And there it is. Boom. You've got it. So I was expecting to have a little bit more time to prepare for this. But essentially, 
Creating a newsletter is no different from writing an article. You need a hero image, you need a headline, you need some content, a call to action. You know, it's a long form article. But when you create a newsletter, LinkedIn asks you for a kind of a title of the whole thing, that the whole endeavor has a title and has its own icon. And you need to give it your posting schedule. So it wants to know, are you going to post daily? Are you going to post weekly? Are you going to post monthly? And it will say that in the article to set expectations. So if you say daily and then you actually turn up once a month, you're breaking a bit of a promise. If you want to get started, I would go and get repurpose any blog post if you've already published something on your website or even a previous LinkedIn article with maybe a new spin and get that content out because that will set the the tone and send the notifications to get you subscribers. As I say, massive visibility potential. But if you wait a few days, people might be so annoyed with it that they turn it off. But I think it's a really good feature for, for content creators. Well, like most things in life, timing matters. So let's, in a minute, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of like execution and how we should go about doing this. But first, let's really talk about why we should do it. Like why a newsletter? We could we can make posts, we can do video, we could do so many other things. What about a newsletter do you think is so valuable to our overall arsenal as a content creator? The ability for people to subscribe to your content and you be fairly sure that they really are going to see it Because when you subscribe to something versus just following a person on LinkedIn, following a person gets you a small proportion of what they put out into the world. You do not get to see everything. Subscribing to something means that you're almost certain to get a notification about that thing, and you'll also get an email about it too. So this is kind of a ready-made communication channel that reaches that you know will reach people. And secondly, because it's long form, right? So articles can be... 120,000 characters long. That's like 17,000 words. You could write a small book in one of these things if you really want to. So that that means that's an opportunity for you to showcase real depth of knowledge. Anyone can write a short form post. That tends to be quite thin content usually, even though you can go up to 3,000 characters. With long form content, you can go really deep and you can really show your domain knowledge. So if you want to be known for something, Creating articles is a great way of doing it now that you can reach your subscribers even more powerful because of that. And article content, newsletter content now is searchable on Google. Okay. It's indexed by Google, whereas almost all short form content isn't. So that, that makes it even more valuable in my, in my opinion. All makes sense. As you just indicated, you're going to give yourself the opportunity to be known for something because you go so much deeper than you otherwise could. And then the searchability factor is massive. And also, I think we all know that the post we make on LinkedIn, while it may long lasting compared to what it used to be, it's not nearly what an article can be in terms of staying power, where an article you write or a newsletter, it seems like, will last a lot longer. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, all of the content tends to last, but uh, short form posts that can be a little bit difficult to find. What I call they get lost in scroll heaven. Once the post for a few days, just going back and trying to find old posts can be difficult unless you know really what you're looking for. Because you don't post them maybe quite as often, I think people doing their due diligence on you, people looking you up can go and check you know, your body of work, your, your long form body of work. 
and, and articles speak to that authority and experience, not in the, quite in the same way that posts do. So posts are brilliant for visibility, building a new audience. Articles are good for credibility. I think you should do both. And now that you've got the chance to do the credibility and the visibility with the people who have already elected to follow you, I think that makes newsletters even more powerful than, than articles were before. Well, you mentioned that you have almost 4,000 subscribers in, in just a few short hours, which I believe is a testament to you more than anything else. Yes, it opened up the floodgates. It made it possible because that you now have access to it and, all, and everybody could have the opportunity to subscribe. But you yourself have built a brand and a reputation that has paved the way for that to happen. And so with that in mind, what should somebody do? You mentioned one thing, which is maybe repurpose some some blog articles or blog posts or other articles that you've written. But if you were going to advise somebody that hasn't done anything yet, what would be their your step one, two, or three to get started to make sure that they maximize this? And, and I think one of them is to do it quickly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, one of them is definitely to do it quickly. If you don't already have some articles to repurpose, I would, as much as possible, look at any short-form posts that you've already done or any comments that have been really successful on other people's posts and dial that up. If you've done any kind of content creation that you can see as being successful, if you can scale that up to an article quickly, especially if it's a passion project, something that you know that you can write about quickly, that's a great place to start. Think about answering questions. This is the basics of content marketing. Think about answering the questions that you get asked most often. So if you've got like a top five questions I get asked every day in my job, that, that's the kind of thing that would be good content for an article because you can actually direct people there as a way of saving time and demonstrating authority. You can do that too. But um, anything like that that you can create relatively quickly so you can ride this wave, I think is a, is a good idea. And another thing, articles that challenge the orthodoxy tend to perform very well. So if you can think of what popular idea in your industry do you disagree with? This is the kind of thing that Brendan talks about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's the, how can you position yourself to show that you, you've you got expertise, you've got experience, you've got authority, but maybe you're, you're not going to be middle of the road. You've got a way of doing things that's a bit different. Think about those things that you can challenge and that you could write about at will, logged as well. Yeah, what's well, a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with and highlight that. Okay, so you are somebody that, again, has the knowledge and expertise going into this that's going to set you up to be, a, without question, one of the great creators on the platform when it comes to providing a newsletter. What are some of the mistakes we should be thinking about avoiding? Uh, you mentioned some really great things, which is you, you wanted to you know, be the question that people most commonly ask, or maybe these five tips, or you know, you'd passionately disagree with something that others may agree with. But what are some mistakes that we should be thinking about avoiding? I think people scan content so quickly that if you don't get to the point really, really quickly, then they'll they'll just move on. So invert that pyramid. You know, you get to the point and you give people the takeaway right at the beginning. You put your keywords in right at the beginning. You make the content easy to scan. So you, you don't write massive, massive blocks of text. So things have got to be scannable. One of the good things about LinkedIn articles is that actually the formatting controls are very, very minimal. So you don't have too much in the way of fancy things that you can do. 
So you've got to focus on the basics. You know, you've got bold and italic and lists and, and heading styles. That's about it. So get to the point quickly, break up your text, use short sentences and short words, and just remember that people are scanning. They received a notification to subscribe. Okay, fine. They click through. If you don't grab them within a few seconds, they're probably clicking away. So make the value proposition really clear in the first couple of sentences. And keep in mind that because this stuff is indexed for Google, Google will be paying attention to what you put in your heading. It'll be paying attention to what you put in your first paragraph, and it'll be paying attention to the keywords that you use in any subheadings in the article. So you need to make sure that you you structure your content so that, you know, obviously it's first and foremost written for humans, but also that Google could understand what you're trying to get at. And then as with all articles, you should make sure that you've got one very clear call to action, which is simply what is the next step you'd like people to take once they've read your articles? Too many articles just finish with the equivalent of thank you for reading. That's it. Done. You want people to get into a deeper relationship with you. So you need to make them take the next step. The smaller that step is, the more likely they are to say yes to it. You know, if you ask them to go on a $5,000 retreat course as a result of reading one article, they're not going to say yes to that. But if it's get my get my ebook or listen to a chapter of my book or take a look at my mailing address or whatever, just get them to think about you and to take the next step. That's an important sign-off point. What I'd love to know is how would you suggest somebody let people know that their newsletter exists? Well, that's the great thing. The fact that you create one means that everyone just automatically gets a notification. Anyone who's following you, so it doesn't even have to be a connection of yours, could be just someone who's elected to follow you. They'll get an invitation to subscribe to your newsletter. So you don't need to do anything. In the classic world where you had just normal articles, as soon as you publish an article, LinkedIn will prompt you to write a short form post to accompany that article. And that acts as your promotion. But when you write a short form post and essentially include a link to uh, the article that you're trying to promote, that tends not to go deep through the LinkedIn network. So if you wanted to promote your newsletter subscription in the same way that you would promote an article, you can do things like direct messaging people and let people know one-to-one. That's quite a labor-intensive way of doing it, but at least you can guarantee that that other person has received the message. You can use other social media platforms that you're active on. You can use your mailing list if you've already got one. If you haven't already got one, I'd strongly suggest you consider setting one up because that will some, be something that's always yours and you, you're not you're not subject to the whims of LinkedIn or other social media platforms. So those are some other ways of, of getting that promoted. And uh, I suppose also you could look for spots on other people's posts to mention it in the comments, but I'm, I'd be very careful about doing that. I would do that only with people that I already know, like, and trust and who I know would not see that as a spammy tactic because otherwise, you know, you, you might go and find loads of comments and just drop your link in there. That's not a good thing to do. But if you've got a good relationship with people and you talk about a topic that happens to be relevant to the subject of that post and you know know that things are all good between you, then those might be some other opportunities to promote what you're doing with your newsletter. But as I say, your newsletter will automatically be notified to everyone. And, And so that's why this opportunity is so, so valuable right now. Yeah. So one of the things that I know from our previous conversations that ring true with your approach is 
write like you speak. Does that apply here as well? And, and if so, why? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're writing for humans, aren't we? Uh, decision makers, even on LinkedIn, are still human beings. And all the research suggests, which I've mentioned in, in the book, Content DNA, all the research suggests that the people who talk in more relatable terms, in more relatable, everyday, simple language, are seen as more authoritative, more knowledgeable, more trustworthy. So if you want to alienate your audience, go for the academic style all day. It's not going to work. It's really not a good idea. It's much better if you write the content the way you would say it out loud. And for that reason, when I'm checking my text, whenever I write content, I just get my computer to speak it out loud to me afterwards to make sure that it sounds, the sentence structure sounds the way it would if I were saying it for real. Like I say, it just makes it a lot more relatable and reduces the the readability uh, difficulty for people. I've been doing that for the last several years, and it's really taken my content, I think, to, to the next level. To your point, we are speaking to humans, right? And I think the more conversational we are, the more approachable we are, the more human we are, the more it's going to resonate with the people that we're communicating with, which this is just another form of communication. Think about it, Billy. I keep talking about being the same shape everywhere. So if you meet someone in person and if you have a Zoom call with them and if you have a direct message exchange with them and you're being friendly and it's all good, that's like one category. But then why should you be in a different category when you're publishing something? It's still you. You're still saying the same things or you should be saying the same things. You should be the same shape everywhere. So when people get to experience you in person on a Zoom call, indirect messages, through emails, that all of that should sound the same and feel the same. And so long as you're comfortable with what you're saying, you can back up what you're saying, just say it the way you would say it. And, and you can do that in your short form posts and in your articles too. And I think you'll find that people will just like your content a lot more if you do that. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think you not only say to do that because it's true, but you actually do it yourself. And having obviously gotten to know you throughout the last year. I've gotten to know you as a friend. I've gotten to know you as somebody that I admired from a distance and thought, wow, this guy makes great content. And I've gotten to have you as a guest on my podcast. And in all cases, you show up as the same as the same person. And there's consistency between each of those things and each of those experiences that, that I have. So when you now think about your approach knowing that you have access, you've had a newsletter, a mailing list for quite some time, and you've had success with that. I believe one of the reasons you've had success with that is you keep it short. So with newsletter, I know one of the benefits is you can go longer. So how are you thinking about your approach to your newsletter relative to how you already have your existing uh, mailing list with you know your espresso list? And so how are you thinking about those in sort of different lights? And then how much of your time is going to be spent on newsletter in your LinkedIn time versus all the other things you're doing on LinkedIn? Okay. So a couple of things to unpack there. So I've made a promise to my audience that when I send them an email, I'm going to keep it short because I hate long emails. I don't know anyone who enjoys long emails. So I've said publicly that my emails will always be 200 words or, or fewer. And they're for short, snappy updates and that kind of buys into the idea of espresso. You know, it's meant to be a short coffee, right? Long form articles, that's where I get a chance to express my authority 
and, and I'm happy to go longer. And I know that Google likes indexing longer posts as well. My short form messages to my email list might be something like, here's what's happening today. By the way, I've just written an article about the so-and-so topic. If you want to check it out, here it is. And then that can take them to the long form content. I'm not going to try and dump all of that long form content into an email because people might not be ready to consume that. And it might just put them off consuming the other things that they might have found valuable about the email. And in terms of like how much time is this going to take, at the moment, I've set my newsletter to say I'm going to publish something once a month, which is the, the minimum table stakes that they offer you, because I think it's better to kind of under-promise and over-deliver. If I can do more than that, then I will. I don't want to say I'm going to publish something weekly and set that expectation and then not be able to show up. But primarily what I want to do is take the content that I'm putting out for my blog anyway and repurpose and republish that into my newsletter because the people who subscribe to my blog aren't necessarily going to be the same people who look at my newsletter. So long as I make some minor, minor tweaks, like maybe a small change to the title or a small change to the opening paragraph or a change to the call to action, then it's not identical content. And so long as the original content is indexed on Google, which usually happens within a couple of days, but there's a way of speeding that up with the Google Search Console, which is one of my favorite free tools. Once I've got my content out into the world through my blog, I can republish that on LinkedIn as a now as a newsletter, what was an article, and get an even bigger audience. So, so that's not actually adding very much in the way of extra time. It's a little bit of admin, but the creative endeavor of writing the blog post for my website in the first instance is the same as what I've been doing for years now and what I will continue to do. The existence of a newsletter doesn't add to my cognitive burden, but it does significantly add to my visibility potential. Yeah, it makes sense. I think you've got the system in place that you're already doing things that you can leverage to integrate into your your workflow for your newsletter and make the newsletter not a, a whole new thing you're doing, but a, a new version of something you're already doing by repackaging it and making it a, another stream for you to serve your audience. I was just going to say, I mean, I'm already a content creator. So in LinkedIn's terminology, creator mode is, it's my thing. I'm constantly putting out content. So it's natural for me to put out articles. If it's not natural for you to put out content, <laughs> not natural for you to put out articles, then I suppose you do have to pause for thought just because there's a chance for some instant visibility through this method. But if you're not already writing those articles, then you've just given yourself a massive extra task that you're just committed to just because it's popular right now. So I suppose do think about that. If you're not already putting out long form articles, then think about what your content strategy is for being known. I mean, maybe you're putting out really deep, long YouTube videos, in which case, Perhaps a newsletter isn't for you, although I would argue even in those cases, it might be because you can embed videos into newsletters, right? So your newsletter might just be furniture for your videos and you could get massive extra visibility from stuff that's actually hosted on YouTube. So even then, I think there's some value in it. But if you're not creating any kind of long form content, I guess just pause for thought and see whether you want to commit to this game because it's a long game and it's a lot of effort. Well, you know, you talk about being known, right? And Mark Schaefer, somebody that you spoke very highly of, author of the book Known, and I interviewed him as a result of the conversation you and I had. And you obviously want to be known for one thing. What if somebody can't decide or they want to have 
multiple things that they're known for, or they maybe want to have multiple newsletters. Is that possible? A, and then B, is it advisable? Two different newsletters. From what I saw from LinkedIn, it looks like you can only have one newsletter at a time. I haven't investigated whether there's any workaround for that yet. But yeah, I mean, everything I've seen, all the successful businesses I've seen have been focused on being known for one thing in one place, building up an audience. And then maybe once you've kind of made it, then you can migrate an audience easily enough. But trying to build a couple of things from a low base is really, really hard. So this is a popular question. You know, people say, oh, I've got three different businesses and I want to promote them all. How am I going to do it? Well, it's tough because if you've got three different businesses, that you're trying to occupy kind of like three different memory slots in someone's head. That's really hard. It's hard enough to occupy one. I suppose that, you know, there are, there are tactics. So, so you could, let's say, you could promote one business on your personal profile and you could promote another business on your company page profile on LinkedIn, for example, or you could separate your experience items so that, you know, one experience item is just about business one. The other experience item is about business two. And you can have different hashtags for your content so that there's a little bit of segmentation going on. You could have separate email lists for the different businesses. You could, talk about business A on LinkedIn and business B on Instagram, depending on what kind of things they are. There are a number of approaches to this, but I think unless you've got a kind of media business behind you, a media division, trying to do all of those things well, it's just really hard. And I would struggle to name you a single example of someone who doesn't have a mega budget who's doing it well. Gary Vaynerchuk can do it. You're not Gary Vaynerchuk, though. You haven't got millions of dollars in the bank and a videographer following you around and, and all those resources, right? So it's much better, if you can, to find that intersection of what you're passionate about, what you're good about, good at, and what you can get paid for, and focus as much as you can on that. I often say, you know, pick your place and cause havoc there. So for me, it's LinkedIn. For me, it's known being known about content creation and LinkedIn support. That's what I'm known for. And I've been drilling that really hard for more than four years. And it's it's paying off because I get invited to do interviews like this. Uh, lots of people follow me because they know what they're going to get. They know why they're subscribing to my newsletter. They know that I'm not going to randomly go off and talk about stuff that they're not interested in. It's really focused attention. People know what they're going to get. Build around being known for one thing in one place. That That's my best advice for you. I wish I'd known that years ago. I would have been much bigger now than, than I am. I mean, you are, and I've told you this over and over again, you are absolutely one of the people that I admire and respect more than just about anybody that I've met. And one of the things that, that I'm deeply fascinated by is your allergic reaction to ads and, and why you feel content is such a better way to become known and to become a brand. So maybe can you talk a little bit about why you have an allergic reaction to ads and why you think content, of course, newsletters being one pillar of content, why content is such a better avenue to follow if you want to be known for something. I think this is something I'm going to go into a little bit more probably in the next book, Relentless. I think there's a feedback loop between conversations, sparking ideas for content, which drives more conversations, which kind of deepens your relationship with each other. And that gets people to care about you. And when people care about you, no algorithm can touch you. You are untouchable because people will seek you out eventually. They'll notice when you're not turning up. That's what happens when you've got the content 
and conversation cycle going. If you go into the world of ads, you're trying to bypass that. You're trying to hack things by saying, I want attention now. And people are increasingly being turned off about that. And there's a really big uncertainty, which is, you tell me now, Billy, how much is an ad going to cost in three years' time? You can't tell me. No one knows. And you might be able to afford to play at that table now. But what if you can't afford to play at that table in a few years' time? Then what? If everything is built on, I'm paying for visibility, and then the rent goes up, and you can't make rent, how are you going to deal with that? So what you need to do is invest the effort now in more conversations, sparking more content, and that will get you visibility, and it will get you people who love you and who will look for your stuff, who will subscribe to your mailing list, who will buy your book, who will look out for the next thing you do without being paid, and they will tell other people about it as well. And no ad, unless you do something Super Super Bowl level, Ads aren't going to get people going, oh, have you seen this ad about whatever? You know, that's not the way the world works anymore. People are looking for an ad-free world. That's why we've got so many Netflix subscriptions. People binge watching stuff. They don't want to see ads. Young people who see YouTube videos refer to that opening few seconds as a skip ad. That's what they're called, skip ads, because that's what the button's called. You just look for the skip ad. (laughs) right? (laughs) They're not paying attention. So I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to build relationships with people. And potentially, it might be really, really expensive in the future. And if you can't pay that bill, then you're in big trouble for your business. So I'd focus on being known through organic content more. And ads are a disguise for mediocre work in a lot of ways. If you feel that your work is not capable of bringing people uh, to you, then you're going to try to figure out another way to do it. And often you turn to some sort of paid form. One thing that you've done recently on LinkedIn, and I would argue successfully, I'm curious what your thoughts are, is build a group here on LinkedIn. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of people have done that, to be honest, unsuccessfully. So what do you think went into your uh, group that that stands out as what went right And maybe what are some learnings or or areas that you felt that you either could have done better or maybe are working on doing better? My next article is going to be on this topic about groups. So this this is a great one to talk about. For the longest time, I've had a down on groups on LinkedIn because they just don't seem to have any visibility. People talk badly about them and that's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you post in a group, no one replies, or you go into a group and everyone's trying to sell something or spam. Oh, it puts you off. The hard truth is that Facebook groups are probably much, much better than LinkedIn groups. But when LinkedIn changed the rules and allowed granular notifications, which means that when you go into a group, you can tick the bell and say, tell me about all posts in this group. And they did some other structural work that meant that the group activity is better integrated, not perfectly, but better integrated into the home feed. And you've turned on your notifications for them. Suddenly, you can be more confident that if you're active in a group and other people are active, then you'll start seeing that content and you'll start building relationships with those people. And it'll be a nice extra activity. What you also need is someone who's leading the group, who is present, who is active, who is starting conversations, who is getting people involved. Because, you know, most people on LinkedIn are lurkers. You know, those people who will join a group maybe and just sit there and watch. If you can get someone who's going to pull them out of the shadows, give them a reason to get involved, 
That's what I try to do. So people know that I'm there. They know that I'm sharing content ahead of time. So they get some exclusive stuff. I start challenges in the group. I give people rewards. Every time someone joins the group, I'll introduce myself to them. I'll tell them to turn on the bell for notifications because most people don't know that that even exists. And I'll ask them to introduce themselves. So all of these things mean that people who are probably already following me, maybe have experience of my email list, they want to get involved. And then, of course, there's a snowball effect. Once they see that I'm posting, other people are posting, they'll think, okay, this is a safe space. And what I've told people recently is any activity within a group is only for the group. No one else sees it. Your boss doesn't see it. No one else outside the group sees anything that you do. If you want to practice with video and you're a bit nervous about showing your face to the whole world, but you wouldn't mind doing it in front of 400 people in a group, that's a good place to practice. So we've only been going for like two months. I think actually today might be exactly two months since I started it. But it's going really well and it's really active. And so, you know, all good things are, are coming from this group. And I wish I'd started it sooner. But the notifications and, and my my real dislike for Facebook eventually decided me that, look, we're talking about LinkedIn stuff. Why not do it on LinkedIn? We do talk about other things, personal branding, content creation. It's all about online visibility and building your personal brand. And I think LinkedIn is is still one of the best places to do that. So it's going well. It's only two months old, but I've, I've got a full article to follow with, with a bit more detail about those things I've mentioned. And we'll probably link to this live that we're doing to cover a bit more as well. I love it, man. Well, I mean, exclusivity helps, right? When you feel like you're part of something that others aren't, it makes you feel included. It makes you feel special, especially if you're getting sneak peek into content or things that others maybe will never see, or maybe you're getting it in advance and then the contest and then also inspiring people. I know when I joined, you said, Hey, can you make an introduction to the group? And so all of these things helps to ingratiate new members to the group and create that vibe of comfort and where everyone wants to share with each other and and feels uh, connected to each other. And here's the other thing as well. I've also going to mention this in the next book is that people talk about building an email list and that is valuable and you should do that. But an email list really sets you up as a lighthouse because you're you're broadcasting things and you might have maybe have some email conversations with, but it's a one-to-one kind of thing, isn't it? So when I set up my espresso email list, I was getting replies and that's great, but people can't see each other's replies. So I thought, let's instead of doing the lighthouse approach of broadcast, 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 let's do the campfire approach and take advantage of you know what Facebook calls network effects, where people can see the replies and then they can talk to each other. And I don't necessarily need to be the hub for absolutely everything. I still think it's really important that the leader of the group has a very strong visible presence, but they don't have to be responsible for absolutely every conversation that happens. And so because of that, people who had not come across each other before, but who might have been subscribers for years, now know each other because they they can see each other's replies. So that's a really valuable thing in having a group. So what's missing? If the LinkedIn gods are listening right now, what would you wish the group had that it doesn't have right now, that that group, the features have? I would love, which would make it so much more valuable, is the ability to do LinkedIn Live into a group like you can do on Facebook. You can't do that right now. Now, LinkedIn is experimenting with something new. I haven't got it yet, but it's called ticketed events. So you'll be able to set up an event that instead of anyone being able to register for, 
you could potentially charge for or make exclusive in some other way, gate that access properly. And so you could do that and and offer that only to group members, but it's still a bit of friction. Whereas if you could just say, I'm live in the group now, boom, everyone gets a notification and they know, you know, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday, I'm going to be live. You don't need to do anything. I think that would be so, so valuable for groups and it would make them way more exclusive and they could then become a really, truly valuable asset. So that would be the biggie for me. Yeah, man, that that's huge. And that seems totally doable. So, I mean, who am I though? But if, uh, if LinkedIn is listening or happens to catch wind of this, uh, I think that's a, a great request. So we talked a little bit about the importance of timing, right? And understanding that timing matters, right? And especially here, we got this new, brand new ability to use newsletters. But part of timing also is knowing when things happen. Like I know you, I had the opportunity to have this conversation today. And you told me I probably would have seen, as you said, through my inbox, but I know there's people on LinkedIn who you study, who you learn from, but so who are some of the people that you think do some uh, really good work, either studying LinkedIn or providing resources or knowledge. And again, I know there's so many people that you could list, but who are some ones that come to mind that would be helpful that really do give us value? If you're talking about long-term weekly value, there's one podcast I listen to called LinkedIn Formed that's run by Mark Williams, a LinkedIn trainer in the UK. And every week he tells you something interesting about what's moving and shaking with LinkedIn and how LinkedIn works. And sometimes he interviews people, but he's usually a solo show. So LinkedIn Formed is a wonderful podcast for deep, algorithmic research. So if you're the kind of person who probably knows the basics and you want to get marginal wins, then the research done now on a quarterly basis by Richard Vanderblom. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn Live and saw uh, a replay is available, I think, on YouTube and on LinkedIn. He, with a couple of other organizations, does wide-scale research, like thousands and thousands of posts on what's really happening. So once per quarter, it used to be once a year, He's great at revealing like how the algorithm works right now, the best data that we've got. I mean, there's so many LinkedIn experts out there, and I would encourage people to go and follow people like that. You've got a day job. You haven't got time to be tracking what's moving and shaking because LinkedIn is a big beast and it changes quickly. And LinkedIn themselves are not brilliant at sharing this information. I subscribe to, I think, four of LinkedIn's blogs I don't know how many blogs they've got in total. I subscribe to four of them. Very little in the way of practical stuff. Like very often they talk about mindset things and recruitment, but actual practical, this is how the platform works. This is what's coming next. This is what isn't working. Those kind of things they're not really that transparent about. So you need to follow the people who are close observers, who are doing experiments who are finding out what's working and what isn't working so that you can just save yourself the time of having to do those experiments yourself. Otherwise, you'll end up doing the wrong things. You'll end up thinking that, hey, because social media posts with images are successful on other platforms, they must be successful on LinkedIn. And yet the data says that a text-only post is probably going to be twice as effective as a post with an image in it. Who would have thought that? But if you don't do the research, you you won't know that. Or if you don't follow the people who've done the testing, you won't know that. So go and find people that you can trust, who, who shape you enjoy, <laughs> and listen to their LinkedIn advice. I think that will save you a lot of time and, and you know, you'll stop going wrong. If you are making mistakes, you'll, you'll be able to weed them out. Yeah, I think it's really important to have a group of people 
who basically they're like mentors, even if they don't know they're your mentor, if they're, they might be your LinkedIn mentor, they might be your LinkedIn advisor, who they're doing the legwork for you and studying the platform. And I mean, I know Andy Foote is somebody that I've been studying his work for years and he's put out some amazing work and he's compiled from a lot of the different experts out there, some of the biggest and most important insights in a lot of the work he's done. So not only does he have his own ideas, but he's also synthesizing the ideas of so many of the other uh, fantastic leaders on the platform. You're a case in point for your specialism. You, you specialize with Podify now. I don't run my own podcast. I'm not going to just suddenly go out and try and start a podcast without help, without following an expert, without speaking to someone. Oh, shall I go and buy a mic? Shall I go and get some lighting? I don't know. Which platform should I use? How much should I spend? Should I get guests? Should I get intro music? I don't know. I'm not going to go and Google everything on my own. I need to go and follow an expert who's been there, done it, served people. It's that same kind of thing. So if you want to really blow up on LinkedIn, you need to know the basic rules. There's a lot to learn. And you could go and find it out all yourself. If you want to have the time to do that, great. It's probably much easier if you just go and tap up the people who've already been there, done it, learned some of the horrible mistakes and who are advising people better now. I'm so excited about Relentless. Give us a sneak peek into what is going to be this new book that you have coming out. When is it coming out and what do we have to look forward to? Well, I'm hoping to release it around July next year, 2022. And it's a lot of actually very short lessons. This is one of the most popular things from the first book. People love the get to the point opening thing, which summarized what the next chapter was about. And I thought, what if I write a whole book like that? So I've written loads. I've got about 40, 50, 60 chapters of really short things at the moment. I'm still drafting this thing of lots of little lessons. And the whole point is to give you practical advice, not just mindset stuff, but actual practical advice of things that you can do to be the most helpful person in your industry. Because I think that's been my focus for the last four or five years now. And it means that I'm memorable. And it means that people want to reciprocate. And it means that I get referral business. And these are all things that I think everyone would want. So I'm giving you my tips for doing it. So that can extend to, you know, how you connect with people on LinkedIn, let's say, how you run a conversation, how you can be helpful without being seen as spammy. For example, how you could add value to a YouTube comment in a way that you wouldn't have thought that you could. I don't want to give away too much about this, but all of that stuff is going to be captured in short lessons, practical lessons in this book. And it's going to be a short book, but it's going to be all of my best tips on how you can be the most helpful person. And that means you won't need ads because you'll be remembered as that helpful person and people want to reciprocate and they want to do business with you and they want to refer you for business. So that's what's coming next year. And not just helpful, but relentlessly helpful. Can you talk a little bit about the the ethos and and why you've become uh, and why this is so important to you becoming the the relentlessly helpful technical copywriter that you are. That phrase came about completely by accident, you know, as a result of Mark's question on stage at a conference that I wasn't expecting. But the moment I said it, I knew that I was onto something. And the key thing was that people started echoing it back to me. Then I knew I was really onto something. It was like the call and response of a good song, the hook of a good song. And, you know, I think a lot about personal branding that sometimes it feels like it's all for show, you know, it's fancy words. And I thought, if I'm going to say that I'm this thing, that this interesting, memorable hook, 
got to really live that thing. So if people are asking me questions and I'm not responding or I'm giving them some weak, weak answer or some salesy rubbish, people should call me out and say, you're not relentlessly helpful. <laughs> you know, you're helpful on a Tuesday, but not on a Wednesday. I want people to call me out if I'm not true to my word. And I think that your brand is a promise, right? And you should never, never break that promise. So you, you know who you're appealing to. You know what you stand for. You always take care of your core audience. And you're always true to your values and you always show up in the same shape everywhere. And just going back to that thing about, you know, the consistency of, of the way you talk, I think all of that leads to a sense of psychological safety, right? You know what you're going to get when you speak to me. You know, we've spoken several times now. You're not going to get any bad surprises from me. And I think that builds trust with people, doesn't it? That the people that make me nervous are really kind of up and down. You don't know if they're going to be screaming and shouting one day and, and totally different another day. Or, you know, you see their presence on one platform and it's completely different to their presence elsewhere. And you're thinking, who am I getting? Who is this person? So it's all about being consistent with your brand. Congruent, I call it. It's a mathematical term of being the same shape all the time. And that's what relentlessly helpful is to me. And it's it's the thing that makes me memorable. So if you haven't yet found your hook, you need to spend some time. There's some lessons in the first book about that. Spend some time coming up with something that really captures you and that is memorable and that gets repeated by others. That's not an easy thing to do. But if you can do that, you're really well on the way to being known for that one thing. Well, I am so thrilled to know you and to be a part of your journey. Not only are you the relentlessly helpful technical copywriter, you're also a dad to a beautiful smarty pants. You're a, a Liverpool uh, football club fan and a failed goalkeeper. You're a, a lover of the Matrix and Westworld, a bit of a legend in the kitchen. Can I just tell you, can I tell you quickly? Yeah. The Matrix thing and the legend in the kitchen led to me getting this yesterday through the post. That's amazing. That this completely by surprise, one of my friends who I'd helped a while ago just sent me this thing without any warning. And it's like, it's got a Matrix vibe and it's got a cooking vibe and no message with it. And I'm thinking, wow, what's going on? So that was... <laughs> the subject of the last couple of posts about that. That's what it's all about though. When people get to know you and when you're, and you're sharing those parts of your life as well. And when you're sharing, you know, the human side of you, that's what. Yeah. You need to do that a bit. You have to, you have to. Small question. Are you getting the new MacBook Pro? <laughs> I, want to, but I don't know how expensive it is in the States, but I looked at like the souped up version. It's like, wow, that is so much. What I'm waiting for is the 27-inch version of the M1 Mac, iMac. If they bring that out, I'm getting that on day one. But right now I'm holding, holding, and maybe I'll get a Mac. But yeah, I, I do like the MacBook Pro a lot. They're, they've run out here. I waited too long. So I've ordered mine and it's due to arrive right before Christmas. So it's uh, probably my Christmas present for the next few years, but you know, <laughs> it's a great machine. So for those who don't know where to find you, aspirian.co.uk, that's E-S-P-I-R-I-A-N.co.uk. You could subscribe to your newsletter there. Where else can they find you? Or if they want to hire you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, just hit me up on LinkedIn. I mean, if you search for Asperian, I've got such an unusual surname that you'll find top search will probably be my website. Second search will be LinkedIn. Those are the two places I'm most uh, active. I dabble a little bit on Twitter, but uh, DM me on LinkedIn is the best way. And when you look at my profile, if you can find the secret word in my about statement, then I'll give you 
a lot more attention. So yeah, I'd love to speak to you. And so grateful to you, John, for spending the time talking about this very, very timely topic and helping everyone get their arms wrapped around this brand new edition of LinkedIn newsletter for all of us creators. So until next time, uh, please do make it a great one. We'll talk to you all very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Billy. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.